What does Australia's next generation of young leaders have to say about the future of India-Australia relations in a post-COVID world? And how do Indian scholars, scientists, practitioners and students factor in? You're listening to Shared Visions, the podcast that spotlights the Australian government's new Colombo plan and gets to the heart of these questions. Today, we speak with Anne Wilton, a teacher from La Trobe University in Australia, and Shirley Rebecca, a teacher from Christ University in India. So, my name's Anne, and um, I am currently working as a um, casual relief teacher over here in Australia, in the state of Victoria, and in the for the NCP project, I was placed in Bangalore at the Christ School ICSE with Shirley. Shirley wasn't my assigned peer, but we met and we got along really well. And yes, here we are. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm, uh, my name is uh, Shirley Rebecca. So I got along with uh, Annie and other other peers. Uh, there were uh, about uh, 30, uh, 26 of us. So um, we got along with, uh, yes, at Christ University. So we had a project which is called as PAPIT. Um, so this was organized uh, in as an exchange program. Um, so we, we, we would go to schools. We would work together over there and then uh, understand the culture at the same time, understand the teaching processes, like how it happens, like uh, in India, as well as in Australia. So that was really amazing experience, I would say. So this this hap- uh, this went on uh, for one month. Yeah, approximately, yeah, one month. Yeah. And uh, it was a good journey and I met them and then it was a beautiful journey because uh, people, I mean, uh, when they get to exchange information, I think uh, there the learning uh, begins. You know, you you get to learn more, like what you already know. So it was an amazing journey over there. So, yeah. Yeah. So so tell me a bit about the, the, this exchange program that you all were doing. So you were basically, you're, you're all teachers and you're trying to learn from each other, from your different teaching styles in India and Australia. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. So, so um what was that process kind of like like what kind of uh, differences did you see uh, what kind of uh, similarities did you find uh, you know I would love to hear what both of you took away from that experience excellent so whilst I was um, over in India I was still a university student so I hadn't graduated at all by this stage so I was doing my mm-hmm. undergraduate studies and my major was health and physical education So when we got to India, I found it quite um, uh, amazing, the different um, processes that we have, that the teachers go through in itself. So in Australia, to teach in the secondary school, because Christ school was both primary and secondary, um, for us to teach in a secondary school, we don't have to have a master's degree. So we don't actually have to specialise in subjects in themselves. We can just be placed in wherever the school needs you, in whatever capacity the school needs you. So that was my first um, learnings of that. So, um, because I am a health and PE major, we got over there and I was told that health and PE weren't really subjects in themselves. That was just mm-hmm. really common sense um, <laughs> right. weren't really subjects <laughs> right, so, right. Um, 
I started to teach whilst I was over there. My peer, Pujita, she was a math major, so I was um, teaching maths. A lot of the time the students couldn't really understand me because of my accent, so instead of math, <laughs> I ended up just talking about Australia for most of my <laughs> time and the cricket because the cricket was on over there. But what um, a major difference that I saw was how engaged the students in India were as opposed to the students in Australia. So, um, for example, um, primary school students in Australia, they're quite a bit more tamed than the primary students over in India. But once you got to the year nine students in India, the focus was amazing. There wasn't really any behavioural challenges. Whereas I find mm-hmm. over in Australia, once we get to secondary school, which for us is year seven, so when we're 13, um, behavioural demands become a lot more evident in the teaching process. So that was, for me, that was a major um, difference between the two cultures. Okay. Yeah. And what about you, Shirley? Like what kind of? I would I would find that uh, it's very rigorous in Australia I would say because the content which they have it it's like it involves all the global context so it's not like subject oriented but it's it involves everything around you it's like uh, all the aspects all the aspects when you learn a concept it, it involves all the aspects not as a concept so that part was uh, very different and one major thing I still remember is uh, uh, there was a peer uh, who was teaching uh, mathematics uh, in the class. And she was like, we, as we all Indians uh, know, that we write for multiplication, it would be four into three. But there it is division. So four into three would be like four upon three. So that was like very unique for me, you know. So when when we say uh, four uh, four into three, so it will be like division for us. But for them, it is multiplication. How language plays a role, a very uh, very different role. Definitely. Yeah. And those, I, I feel like those linguistic differences, uh, you know, it it really it really determines like how well the kids might learn something, or how how or how deeply they might grasp a certain topic. Very, right. Very. Yeah. And uh, Anne, in uh, in the responses you wrote to us, you you talked about you know like how the one one thing you took away was this idea of minimalistic teaching, uh, yeah. or just yeah something that is a little bit more hands off that allows the children to kind of develop their own processes of learning. So uh, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what exactly does that entail? What does yeah. that look like? Yeah. yeah. So my that was got to be my absolute. Um, takeaway from my trip in India was when we visited the Valley School um, in Bangalore. So at first, from what we could understand from our briefing about the Valley School before we got there, we were all under the impression that it was similar to um, what we in Australia call a Steiner School. Now, Steiner Mm. Schools, I believe, aren't in every state, but they're more of a um, natural approach to learning. So they are in simple terms, they're a bit more of a hippie school. So that's mm-hmm. what we were kind of walking into the Valley School mm-hmm. thinking. And then as soon as we got there, we realised that Australia really has no institution like the Valley School. Mm-hmm. So after having some conversations with some of the teachers, what we took away from it was 
I think it was the principal actually of the Valley School, he said that they emphasise the point that the teacher is not this all-knowing figure, that they Mm -hmm. themselves are still learning and they portray that to the students as well. They're very clear to the students that there is no... Um, no one's smarter than anyone else. The teacher's not smarter than the students. Students aren't smarter than the teachers that they learn from each other. So that was mm. absolutely, I thought was, they, like, absolutely. That was the education system in itself for me, I believe, what we should be That's teaching the students. So in Australia, we don't really have that. It's more so the teacher's still the figurehead um, mm. and the students will it's more of an um in a in a way an authoritarian authoritative um concept where the teacher mm-hmm. tells you what we're learning and the students mm-hmm. follow um mm-hmm. australia's trying to move away from that concept but still it's still very much ingrained in our system i believe in my experiences mm-hmm. but when we were walking around this school and the school was um up in the mountains and it was in um from an australian perspective what we would consider a massive farm like um scenario that the classrooms the first thing we all noticed were the classrooms had no tables and chairs there was nothing in the classrooms and we thought that was just out there because our classroom center around us sitting at our tables sitting at our chairs being quiet as this teacher talks and we have a little bit of free space in our classroom to sit for explicit teaching time before moving to our tables and chairs right so that was where the whole minimalistic idea for us started to develop and from there we saw a classroom that still had their timetable um Mm -hmm on their blackboard. So whilst we're at the Valley School, I believe it was a public holiday. So there were no students around, which was a bit unfortunate, but at the same time allowed us to exhibit the school in its, um, I guess, most pure form without Mm -hmm. the students being there. Um, And I wrote down one of the classes, they had the seven periods in their school day and they started the day, their subject was a walk in walk around the school grounds before Mm -hmm. getting into more enrichment programs and their languages but then they also had a subject dedicated for their yoga practices and our minds were blown so that's an unusual concept for us over here so um there's been studies um uh, studies have shown for us or have been i guess what's the word i'm looking for um endured I guess um Mm -hmm. in our school system where they try to incorporate yoga into the curriculum um or not even the curriculum try to incorporate yoga into the daily schedule but it may be 10 minutes more of a mindfulness activity after a lunchtime to calm back down ready to focus on the next subject not as a whole subject that doesn't that's not a thing over here and uh, we just thought especially me coming from a health and physical education background what an amazing idea this idea Mm -hmm. of emotional intelligence your breathing to help you focus and become the best learner um, that you can be essentially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, I really liked what you said about you know just the the teaching style uh, in Australia being you know, not authoritarian per se, but, you know, there's always going to be that a little bit of that power 
that dynamic of the teacher and the student Absolutely. but uh, you know you know it's actually it's a very old tradition as far as indian culture goes of that hierarchy not really existing at all you know if you look at an institution like shanti niketan which is in west bengal uh it's a very very old uh, arts institution but uh, uh you know if you look at pictures of how the classrooms used to be you know the classes were all held outside uh the teachers themselves were learning were actively learning a skill in the institution uh you know they didn't really you know have like a tutor a tutorship system at all it was more of a kind of a collective learning environment which uh it sounds a little bit idealistic but i feel like it is something that educational institutions can work towards especially those that have younger children absolutely because uh, because it just it makes learning less of a task uh for younger kids absolutely know? i find yeah. that over in australia here with the um system that we do have and as i said we are trying to move um more into modern ways of teaching whereas we're trying to incorporate the whole students and teachers are equal um and we are making progress but not as advanced as the indian culture i believe has um um i believe yeah like it's just amazing like we mm-hmm. we need that over here uh so surely uh, what do you what do you teach at the at the moment um i work in a, a private school so i okay. take uh, math so i mm-hmm. teach math to the kids i mean uh, maybe like uh, middle schools so middle middle school seven, kids yeah. okay 6 7 so uh you know i've i've spoken to a few other educators and teachers as part of this podcast and uh a lot of them have talked about how their work has really changed over the last 8 to 9 months because of the coronavirus pandemic so uh i'm just wondering uh you know how uh, what has your school done and what how has your work kind of changed over the last 8 to 9 months have you what kind of adaptations have you had to do definitely to it has uh, indeed taken a different turn i mean uh, mm-hmm. before we never used to integrate technology in schools that's very obvious mm-hmm. because the teacher plays an important role in the classroom now we are like we are so dependent on technology that uh, without technology we don't actually we cannot uh, take classes or conduct classes right mm-hmm. because we wouldn't mm-hmm. even go to schools and if we have mm-hmm. to conduct the schools or uh, i mean we have to conduct the classes or virtually meet the kids it's uh, about i mean it's all uh, about the applications which we use whether it's mm-hmm. like zoom or google meet and at the same time it's not only using about technology how well are you uh, uh, able to navigate i mean when when you know okay uh, this is how i use the technology and this is what i do but uh, the traditional way of teaching and how we are in, in, i mean uh, how we actually have uh, what do i say how we actually have immigrated you are learning to use technology at the same time use the um, uh, modules wherein uh, uh, like example like gamification how you bring gamification into class mm-hmm. that has changed before it yeah. wouldn't have it wouldn't have i mean the teachers wouldn't have mm-hmm. done this right Yeah. It or it would be like maybe like physical games or like physical activity. But here mm-hmm. it's like how are you? How well and effective are you engaging the students in the class? 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that no one was really prepared for, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I don't think anyone I don't think anyone has written a book or has written a guide on how pedagogy has to change in this kind of a situation. So that's it's really like uncharted territory for teachers. Um, but uh, you know, I I kind of think about you know what kind what new things uh, are afforded to us by you know like you said we're now very very dependent on technology which definitely has its downfall in the sense that you know I was talking to one teacher who you know she's teaching over Zoom and then she, her internet goes off and then she has to like scur- scurry to find some internet somewhere else and then log back on so there's obviously those shortcomings but I always wonder you know what more what can be achieved now that we couldn't do before now because we now suddenly have uh, so much access uh, in front of us right uh, so is is there something that you know is it's to both of you but is there something in your experience in the last 7 to 8 months that you've experienced as teachers that you know you feel actually a little bit inspired by you feel like okay you know i feel like this is something uh, this is something good i've achieved this year despite all of the challenges and despite all of the uh you know the obstacles that are that are posed by the pandemic uh the first thing would be i really miss my kids because i have graduated oh, and i yeah. don't get to see my kids at all all i hoped was okay i have graduated now i'm like okay i can go to the classroom and i can transact my lessons but it has become so difficult and very challenging that you don't get to see the kids and you don't even uh, get the connectivity with the kids you know most of the time it would be technical glitches and okay uh, people want to talk people want to speak they want to answer but not everybody gets the opportunity and at the same time assessment becomes a real real i mean really very difficult uh, challenge which teachers face right now you don't know how far the child has understood and uh, it's been replicated in their tests or whatever it is so i think there the major challenge is but one good thing is uh children are at their comfort zone and at the same time parents also get to know the uh the efforts taken by the teachers i mean what what the teacher is in the class and what they really do and they even get to know about their uh, their own words like their own kids mm-hmm. how engaged they are whether it's like uh, whether they sit in the school in the physical atmosphere or if they have their virtual classroom so they also have eye on their kids they know their kids better so that has uh, i think it's like two way you know it's a, there are pros and cons but the only thing i feel is it's good i think we need to get adapted to these things and even teachers also get uh, get challenged to learn new things because mm-hmm. i have never known about the applications or the tools which i can use digital tools which i can use in the class right so i'm aware and i'm learning new things and i'm very inquisitive to know more and more like what can i take to the class what difference can i make in the class so that the children are actively engaged for me that was so interesting i didn't know that um uh technology wasn't a huge part of your classroom life over um in australia our day revolves around technology a lot of the time whether it be the mm. students on their laptops so a lot of schools provide students with laptops or iPads now instead of textbooks um it's becoming more common for students to type instead for of for middle school right. for middle school kids um even primary school kids yeah oh wow yeah wow. so it's getting yeah. that's a challenge that we're facing um mm. 
over here or from my experience is that now students mm. are struggling with handwriting because they're not used to mm. it. Um, right. So that was very interesting. One, um, on the technology front, we found that um, at the school I'm working at, so I've had a bit of a different experience because I'm a casual teacher. So I've only been coming in to relieve teachers um, of their duties during this time. But one mm. thing that has been uh, common is that we all think the technology side of it has been a pain in the backside because mm. the students aren't motivated to do that. Not all students, that was generalisation. A lot of students, especially at the school I'm working at, aren't doing their work. They'll close down quickly the site that they're on. It's usually a game. They're very naughty. A game mm -hmm. and then pop up the work that they're supposedly working on. Mm -hmm. So that was mm -hmm. one negative aspect from the technology front that we found over here because the technology is just so ingrained in our system. Exactly. Having said that, though, one thing that I've noticed as a relief teacher, and I've worked at the same school throughout the whole pandemic, is um, how much closer the teachers themselves have become with each other. Because, um, and I'm sure it's the same with all the Indian teachers as well, everyone's just exhausted. They're running on empty. They've got nothing mm -hmm. physically much more to give, and yet somehow they're all still showing up. We're back in our schools now. Our schools are reopened. Um, they're still showing up, trying to now um, close the gap of the learning that is so evident um, within the children. So that's one positive, mm -hmm. I think, that um, the school environment has flourished from through COVID. Um, again, the same thing with the parents over in Australia, a lot have realised how hard the teacher's job is. <laughs> and a lot are were very happy when schools went back <laughs> when schools reopened. They didn't really want kids at home anymore because they realised mm -hmm. how much of a pain in the neck it is at times <laughs> when you <laughs> when you don't um, when your child isn't engaged or isn't trying their best. So mm -hmm. a lot of parents were a lot more aware of their own child and the the job and the influence that the teacher has for their child's life. Mm -hmm. So so this the the usage of iPads and and screens in the classroom uh, with younger kids in Australia. So uh, has that been the norm the entire time you've been a teacher or was there a point where you were teaching kids more with writing and then you you had to you yourself experience the transition? Um, so um, with the technology side of it, this has been um, this was starting to be implemented when I was in high school. So I'm 23 now. So when I was about 14, they started to um, replace textbooks with um, the iPads, with iPads okay. generally. So all the textbooks okay. were electronic. So it's been a gradual um, influence over oh. the years. So now I work in a primary school. So the children as early as grade one, grade two, so um, around seven and eight years of age, have their mm. own um, technology tools those younger year levels themselves it's more um they do their handwriting and hard hard copy work and then they get computer time so that the teacher can access um their work or assessment like what shirley was saying um because okay. the teacher wasn't always on site in australia so there was different mm -hmm. teachers working at the school at different times um but with the higher age groups in the primary school so from about um, grade four I would say 
it's just everything was online, absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. So my teaching itself was all um, based on their online work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even can't even imagine uh, just because that it just sounds so alien to me that idea of uh, like just like everyone. I I have been in classrooms where you know everyone has their laptop. Obviously in college that was the norm, but uh, uh, for for primary school kids uh, having screens, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there are people who are doing research on how that's impacting you know their learning abilities and and things of that nature. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, but I guess I mean I guess it is. You know, we. It's not like we are gonna go back. That's just how it's gonna be from now on. So it's. I guess it's just about how do you ensure that the child who's using a, an iPad uh, right. is is using it in a productive way. You don't want them to get distracted at the end of the day. But, well, that's right. Because it, it is a very immensely powerful tool. It's just. I think we're. I think we're still figuring out how to use how to really integrate it into the classroom. I think you know we're still kind of figuring it out. Absolutely, and. Um, this even gets back to what I learned at the Valley School where um, the student needs to become responsible for their own learning and the kind of learner that they wish to be. So they need to show that strength to not be distracted on their computer and to do their work. It sounds really simple, but for some reason, the kids over here struggle <laughs> with that concept yeah. of just getting their work done, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. But I think that's also a positive of um, of the coronavirus and of COVID that we did have to use the online and now in Australia I know there's such a we we floundered there wasn't the education system kind of floundered because they weren't expecting it as with Mm -hmm. India and Mm -hmm. globally weren't expecting the closure of the schools so a lot of our learning floundered so we're finding um from a we call them foundation so that's our first year of primary school so when you're five or six years old they've essentially lost their whole first year of um learning because it was Mm. just it just we weren't prepared for it um so i think that's a positive of covid that it's provided us an opportunity to now look into how we can improve our online learning so that can be accessed by everybody i think that's a real positive of the Mm -hmm. of the pandemic Definitely. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's great you actually mentioned the Valley School because uh, just to, to wrap things up, I would love to tie it back to NCP, obviously, and uh, the time that the both of you spent together in India. Um, you know, so now I think in light of everything that's happened this year, but just looking forward, uh, I think one thing that's become pretty, uh, well, I think one thing that a lot of uh, a lot of people are talking about is the meaning that cultural exchange can really bring to all of our to all of our work as professionals regardless of what kind of fields we work in um so yeah if you could just tell me a little bit about uh you know uh, why the experience was very valuable to you and uh you know kind of what you took away from it and why you would recommend it to other teachers like yourselves and this is a question to both uh to both of you uh from both of your perspectives you know why you would uh encourage you know cultural exchange between uh between professionals in India and Australia? What we actually teach kids is acceptance. Now, India has diverse culture. Now, we ourselves are not open-minded. So when we have this cultural exchange programs, so it is like we we see the world and we get to know about others' thoughts, others' uh, thinkings and how they feel. And we get that open-mindedness 
like globally we are connected we feel that uh, think uh, mm-hmm. think global mm-hmm. act local yeah. mm-hmm. uh, act local think global so that kind of an attitude uh, we can instill in our kids and they would also would uh, love to learn new things i would feel because as teacher as a pre service teacher i really love the experience which i had you know i was like so grateful uh, to christ university that mm. they have given this opportunity to students like us like get, getting us together and uh, be together and learn and i think there were a lot of uh, issues with timings but i think we understood each other in a better way in a better sense so i think that was uh, that was really uh, unforgettable absolutely i had yeah the project itself was so amazing i feel that the most beneficial part of it for all of us now is that we've all developed a more person to person relationship with each other so although the project finished now over a year ago we're still able to connect um like what we're doing now and still able to talk and have that relationship of how we can work together to now um overcome these challenges for, for example like what the challenges of covid's presented um and for even deeper example with the technology side of aspect like well, uh, india isn't used to using lots of technology in the schooling system whereas australia is so that's one aspect we may be able to work together through this relationship mm-hmm. to better um or to more um enhance the curriculum of both countries essentially i feel like that that just because the project stopped our willingness to work together to better our students educational experience hasn't stopped